Slate's Downton Abbey spoiler special is sponsored by HBO and the new documentary series The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst. Four decades, three murders, and one very rich man who refused to speak until now. The Jinx airs Sundays at 8, only on HBO. And by Casper, the online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash downton and using the promo code downton. That's casper.com slash downton and the promo code downton. Slate Plus members get early access to our Downton Abbey spoiler specials this season immediately following the broadcast on PBS. If you're not a Slate Plus member and you want early access, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash spoiler plus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Slate Spoiler Special for Season 5, Episode 7 of Downton Abbey. I'm June Thomas, and I'm here in the New York studio with Seth Stevenson, known to me as Donk. Hello, Shrimpy Flinter. (laughs) Hello. That was a really emotional episode. Well, you're a pet owner, June, and I think this hit you where you live. It did. The idea of bringing the sick pet into the bed, and it did bring, once again... Cora and Robert together for their really quite lovely sort of thought of being surrounded by love as you leave this life. Yes, although it was oddly phrased, if you noticed at the end there, <laughs> Robert says, you know, we want her to spend the night knowing she's very loved. And Lady Cora says, yes, let me just make sure I've got this quote right. Robert says, two people who love her and each other very much on either side of her. And then Lady Cora says, I only hope I can say the same when my time comes. And (laughs) we know what she meant, but it sort of suggests Uh that they're in like a polygamous relationship at that point. (laughs) She's got her two lovers on either side of her and they all love each other very much. All I can say is I can't wait for season 25 of Downton Abbey when things get really... Downton Abbey, the big love years. Yeah, it's a bit like the 60s. Bob and Carol and Ted and Lord Grantham. (laughs) Exactly. And Cora and Robert. But, oh my goodness, the sadness. Although, you know, the whole thing with that poor dog, like, finally he saw the vet, finally he finds the dogs. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because the earlier you know or you already know or something, but that was just so sad. Yeah, I don't think they were going to be curing dog cancer in 1924. No. It was very sad, but ISIS, much like... Hollywood heroines who die of consumption and period pieces Mm -hmm. and yet look lovely up to the very end, perhaps, you know, with like a a tiny sniffle. Mm -hmm. Isis also looked beautiful up until her final moment. I know. They never uglified her. No, I mean, no. realistically, she might have had some mange or something, and she <laughs> might have some... been dragging her legs around right, right. behind her through the manor. But right. no, she was a beautiful bitch until it, the end. She was, and she had a lovely blanket to go out on. <laughs> I only hope when my time comes. <laughs> a lovely blanket will be <laughs> surrounding you. Okay, so Isis, fare thee well. You are a great blonde bitch. You know what this means, though, June. A new dog? A new puppy? There's going to be a puppy. I mean, what TV show can resist the opportunity to introduce an adorable puppy? Do you think it'll be another golden retriever, or will they go black? I don't know. We should bet on breed here. (laughs) I'm thinking a working dog. Oh, of course. I mean, they're not going to do a toy. And they already dissed Dachshunds. 
The season. They did diss Dachshunds. You know, it. I meant to mention that about the Dachshunds. Spratt said mm. that Denker, mm. the new maid, mm. was untrainable, much like a Dachshund. Right. And what it made me think of, I mean, vintage burn, first of all. Yeah. But secondly, what it made me think of is I, I happen to know that during the height of anti-German mm. feeling, mm. maybe between the wars or maybe during the start of World War II, this is one of the saddest facts I've ever learned in my life is that in America, dachshunds, people would throw rocks at dachshunds. Oh, no. The poor little sausage oh. dogs. People, just because they were of German oh. ancestry, people would throw rocks at these little dogs. And I just picture the dogs yelping and scurrying away. I know. Who will defend the wieners? <laughs> Sadness. That's what she said. Wow. <laughs> All right, so ISIS. I, I'm just going to have to just harden my heart on that field. But then Isabel also had some sorrow. I mean, I was already starting to feel a little worried because any time on a show like this that it seems that true love has been found, as it really did seem with Lord Merton, you know, I thought, is he going to, you know, cough and die of consumption by the end of the episode? But then we find, well, I, I had forgotten about his hideous boys, but my God. They really did take after their mother. Yes. As someone said to Lady Rose, you know, you shouldn't expect plain sailing. And I guess Isabel should have known nothing ever goes that smoothly. And But the differences between them, Lord Merton doesn't care about those differences. No. Even the Dowager Countess reveals that those differences don't mean anything to her. Why can't his boys? Do you think it's more about the differences and that they're horrible snobs? I mean, they certainly comport themselves horribly, mm-hmm. but are they terrible snobs? Or is it, as Lord Burton suggested, that they miss their mother and they can't bear a replacement or they're lashing out because they feel like Isabel somehow fancies herself a replacement for their mother? I think rather than or, it's and. I think it's more like an improv situation. Yes, and. It's a confusing melange of emotions. Yes, it's a melange. Because they are horrible and they are gross snobs. And it is hard to know if she was indeed a countess or something. Would they have a different attitude? And remember that when the Crawleys first showed up at Downton, there were people in the big house Mary, who were also rather sniffy about their origins and the fact that they had spent years in Manchester. I mean, Uh, I judge them for that. (laughs) I judge you every moment I look at you for that. Mancunian forever, except, except I never go there. So it's hard to know, but it did seem she was very shaken, even though she knows that he made a horrible marriage and his wife was horrible and that he's a very different man. It does kind of have to make you wonder if you can be in that family when the son and heir who may be, you know, she could be the dowager Lady Merton at some point, And would they be absolutely horrible to her? Well, I am optimistic because Lord Merton's instinct, even at the table in front of not strangers, but people outside the family. He was willing to stand up to his horrible son right there in front of everyone. And that was his instinct. That was not a considered act. That Mm -hmm. was reflex. And so I feel good about them solving their problems. If anything, I'm less worried about Lord Merton than I'm worried about Isabel, who seems truly shaken by this and feeling that she didn't want to usurp their mother's role and maybe didn't need to deal 
with all this rigmarole. Mm-hmm. She was perfectly happy doing her jigsaw puzzles with the Dowager Countess, playing whist, mm-hmm. making fun of Spratt. And why does she need to go take over this gigantic manor, have all the responsibilities of a fancy lady? Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't even have a lady's maid and a butler. Nor does she want one right. after she's seen the way Spratt and Danker carry on. Right. Yeah, it's sad because, you know, she could have a bit of rumpy. He's a very handsome man. He looks like he's in good shape. Times are changing, June. And, yep. you know, there's no one left to run from, as right. Prince Igor right. said. Why not just have the rumpy without buying the cow rump, wow. as Wow. Wow. That would never happen. Well, maybe. Maybe with Isabel. Who knows? Just go for it, Isabel. She's going to have Lord Merton's car pulling up a couple of times a week. <laughs> a little smooth servant booty call where you send your lady's maid late at two in the morning to the manor. And to wash to bring this, a, to have to the smalls washed. <laughs> yeah, well. So let's pause the Downton Abbey spoiler special for a moment uh, because we have a sponsor. We're sponsored by The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst, the new documentary series from HBO. For decades, three murders and one very rich man who refused to speak until now. The Jinx airs Sundays at 8 on HBO. It's filmmaker Andrew Jarecki's six-part examination of Robert Durst, the reclusive millionaire at the heart of three murders. It exposes long-buried information discovered during the seven-year investigation of a series of unsolved crimes. It was made with the cooperation of Durst, who has consistently maintained his innocence and remains a free man today. The jinx comes from Andrew Jarecki and Mark Smerling, the Oscar nominees behind Capturing the Freedmans. Durst came to know Jarecki after the release of his feature film, All Good Things, a fictional account of Durst's life that starred Ryan Gosling and Kirsten Dunst. So, The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst, airs Sundays at 8, only on HBO. Okay, well, moving on from that, also this episode, finally, Mary's whatever is going on with Tony Gillingham was dispatched thanks to a bit of rather unsubtle plotting by Mr. Blake. Mr. Blake knows exactly what he is doing. What a player. Somehow maneuvering, painting himself in this lovely light as someone who's setting up his friends to be together at the same time, simultaneously achieving his true goal, which is to maneuver Lady Mary into his arms and his lips, which he does. Do you think that's his true goal on a long-term basis? Or... Oh, quite evidently. But she believes, and he's done nothing to convince her otherwise, that he isn't interested in her. It's a long con, June. Wow. This guy, we've seen this guy's manipulative, his machinations. We've seen how he's playing 12-dimensional chess seven moves ahead of everybody else. Yeah. He's beating Q, too. Yeah. He, he, it worked, and he's got Mabel and Tony G together mm-hmm. and he's got Mary kissing him. And but now then, he's going to Poland for a year in the 1920s. Well, that does not bode well, does no. it? No. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a good match because they're both. I can see them, you know, scheduling together. Who are we going to manipulate next? <laughs> what sort of, not evil, but what sort of careful plotting are we mm. going to do to get exactly what we want and make everyone else think that we've done nothing untoward? Awful. I do worry that Mary is being made just too terrible. Even the Dowager Countess, who, you know, we know does take her granddaughters in hand when necessary, gave her that lovely line. What did she say? A lack of compassion. Can be as vulgar as an excess of tears. I mean, 
Why has young publishing executive Lady Edith not hired her grandmother to write just That would be a very interesting column, wouldn't it? It would. My goodness. This woman, she always knows the right thing to say. Well, I'm picturing her with a Larry King type of column. (laughs) A lot of ellipses. A lot of ellipses, yeah. Yeah. Only in Yorkshire, kids. (laughs) That kind of thing. Yeah. If we can briefly speak about the publishing career of Lady Edith, this was the most, to me, perhaps among the most ridiculous scenes in the history of Downton, the most like a dynasty or a Dallas type scene where Edith has run away. She's been at the publishing house for like a A day day and a half. (laughs) She's walking around in her new executive like matching pantsuit or whatever it was, (laughs) you know, just controlling the office in charge, clicking heels, just making everyone do it. She says she's there like a day and a half. For the last five years, (laughs) the publishing house has been running in the absence of Mr. Gregson. And she just waltzes in and they're all like, oh, yes. We don't know what we've been doing these last five years. We've had absolutely no one at the top of the masthead. Thank God you've arrived now to whip us into shape in 36 hours. And then as quickly as she arrives, she's like, no, okay, (laughs) that was cool. But I feel like I'm just going to go back to Downton and live a life of leisure with my concealed parentage of this child in the nursery. And just again, to F5, poor Lady Edith. Anna, Anna, who says nothing, although we did, thank God, discover that she did explain to Bates where the contraceptive stuff came from and said it was Lady Mary's. But Anna sees through Lady Edith's, well, she doesn't quite see through. So as you'll recall, Lady Edith and Cora were on the train with Marigold. When they see Anna and Mary, Edith thinks very quickly, gets Mr. Drew on the train, tells him to go to the next stop. He looks after Marigold. Anna sees Mr. Drew and Marigold, doesn't necessarily know it's Marigold, but knows he's with a child. And she says something, this woman who is discretion personified, at least she only says it to Mrs. Hughes, but oh my goodness, like... Lord Fellows, have some respect for your longtime Downton watchers. I mean, come on, give us a break. Give Edith a break. You know, I really do think at some point it's going to be like let Donna Martin graduate. It's going to be let Lady Edith have five minutes of happiness in this world. Could you not just? And I felt like, you know, every time I get out, they pull me back in. Here she's escaped. She looked like she might have been happy running that publishing house. She finally had some purpose. People mm. were listening to her. Mm. People were somewhat contractually obligated <laughs> not to call her a boring scold all the time. Right. She'd escaped. She had her daughter with her and she could maybe even just live openly in London with her daughter and mm. nobody cares. And now she's going to go back to this festering this place yeah. that has been a place of nothing but misery for her. Right. As far as I can tell, her entire life, exactly. she's been beset mm-hmm. upon mm-hmm. by her sisters, by her family. Why would she want to go back there? I know. And you could tell that when they were doing this really terribly acted, you know, intentionally so, manipulation of trying to get buy-in on bringing Marigold into the home, Lord Grantham was much more interested in Isis, who, you know, his dear companion was sick. So I understand his attachment and his worry and his sympathy. But we're talking about, you know, his daughter and bringing in a child and all of that. It was a kind of a big decision. And essentially, he would much rather sort of pet Isis than even think about what Edith was talking to him about. That was the only time we've seen any sentiment 
from from Lord Grantham either is, is exactly. with, with, in regard to his dog. I was thinking of there's all this talk about sending it with a, a lack of compassion as vulgar as an excess of tears or the Dowager Countess saying, oh, you've got me quite dewy-eyed mm-hmm. and she was embarrassed about that. Or mm-hmm. coming out of the movie, Mabel says, oh, I've had quite enough sentiment from John Barrymore in the movie. There's a lot of that going yeah, back and yeah. forth. But Lord Grantham, he has like zero sentiment for this terribly underprivileged farm child coming into his home. He's like, ah, you know, six and one half a dozen. I don't Whatever. Damn, he essentially what said whatevs. Whatevs. Hey, what, who, this girl's future, who cares? But if you think that Marigold is going to be treated on even ground with Lady Mary's daughter, if you think that is not going to be just a brewing rivalry for decades hence. Oh, God. I think we can just be grateful that, I mean, on behalf of young Sibby, because we learned that Tom Branson is planning to take her to Boston, I guess, where his relatives live. Maybe he's your ancestor, Seth. Maybe that's how it all pans out, yeah. although I don't have a lot of Irish blood nor a lot of chauffeur blood. <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I thought there was some doubt because yes. little Sibby says, why, why? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a great answer mm-hmm. why he's leaving for Boston, just yeah. a hope of change or something yeah. new. All I could picture, frankly, when I thought of Branson going to Boston with his daughter was like, you know, 50 years later, the 80-year-old Branson in the 1970s living in the South End in a triple-decker, protesting forced busing, you know, my daughter, Sibby, well, I guess she'd be too old for this, but, you know, (laughs) he's sending her to segregated schools. He's my granddaughter, Sibby Jr., uh, is going to segregated school. I mean, that's all I could picture. I mean, maybe... He, would he is go a into, communist. Well, okay. No, right. So maybe he'd be one of these firebrand lefty Irish politicians in Boston. That's possible. Or maybe he would join the Whitey Bulger gang and start, <laughs> you know, extorting bookies. It's Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Whatevs. Yeah. Well, here's something we do know. This Downton Abbey spoiler special is sponsored by Casper, the online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. And that's important because you spend a third of your life on your mattress. With Casper, you get an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. $500 for a twin-sized mattress and $950 for a king-sized mattress. Compare that to the industry average. Now, I have some experience shopping for mattresses at the mattress showroom. When you walk in there, basically what happens is you say, hey, uh, what's on sale? What mattresses are on sale? And the salesman says, everything's on sale. And suddenly you're hit with a barrage of different offers for various discount mattresses. You have no idea what's going on and you can't tell what's good and you get about four seconds to lie down on the mattress and see if you like it. Casper's is not like that. They take the showroom out of the equation. You order online. And Casper mattresses are super comfortable. They have just the right sink and just the right bounce. Two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, come together for better nights and brighter days. And right now, listeners of this spoiler special can get a special offer. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com slash Downton and using the promo code Downton, D-O-W-N-T-O-N. Plus, buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. You don't need to settle for trying that mattress out for four seconds in the showroom. You can try it for 100 days, more than three months, completely risk-free. So don't wait. Use our promo code Downton to get $50 toward any mattress purchase. That's casper.com slash Downton. C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash D-O-W-N-T-O-N and the promo code Downton. And now back to our sentimental episode of Downton. Well, we did have, among all these tears and excessive sentiment, a little bit of happiness of Rose 
and Atticus proposing in a very sweet way and seeming to really be a nice match and happy together. I like that, Atticus. Yeah. He's a smart lad and he seems to really care for Rose, but also trouble because, as we know, her mother is a terrible tyrant. Her father, a nice man, Shrimpy. We all love Shrimpy. Shrimpy's the best, but Lady Susan, a bit of a handful. Even Rose is willing to acknowledge that. Yeah. And, you know, I think on Atticus's side, his father also seems like a bit of a stubborn fellow. Love, though, that Cora got in a vintage burn. We did not change our our Jewy name. Right. For sake of convention. Exactly. Put him on the back foot there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I guess the fact that the engagement hasn't been announced, so it's just an understanding between them officially at this point. June, if I know anything about Downton Abbey, mm. it will not be plain sailing mm. for Rose and Atticus for the remainder of the season. There will be a spanner thrown into the works at some point. Well, I cannot wait to uh, see that spanner be thrown. Let's convene next week and see if it's landed yet. Until then, Doc. <laughs> Until then, shrimps. <laughs> <laughs>